Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gluten-Free Voice. I'm Jules, and I am your host again for another episode talking about all things gluten-free. This week we're going to be talking about something that is always a very popular topic. We've discussed it before, but there never seems to be enough time to cover the topic well, and that is how does someone who is eating gluten-free for medically necessitated reasons, whether they're celiac or have a gluten sensitivity, whether they have a wheat allergy, a child you know, who has autism spectrum disorder, whatever the reason why you're eating gluten-free, you have to eat gluten-free. How do you go out? How do you go out of your home and trust that restaurants are going to take care of you, trust that they're going to get it right, that they're not just giving lip service to the gluten-free menu, which we see so many of all around. So I thought I would invite back to the show one of my favorite people who is an expert in this field as well, and she'll help flesh out some of the issues and help us to figure out what's the best way to con- you know, to really eat out safely as consumers and to help restaurants do their best job as well. Her name is Betsy Craig. If you are familiar with the show, you've probably heard her on the show before. She's the CEO and co-founder of Menu Trinfo, which is a company that provides nutritional analyses for products, but it also provides allergen training, so not just gluten-free allergens, but also um, other types of food allergens, you know, eggs, nuts, dairy, other things like that that you um, may or may not need to look out for in your personal menu, but restaurants need to be aware of how to treat um, patrons safely who have those other different food allergy restrictions. So, Betsy, thank you so much for joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule to discuss this ever-present and popular topic. Well, Jules, thanks for having me back on. I'm certainly thrilled to be here and uh, love talking about what I'm crazy passionate about. Yeah, well, and we, we share that passion, and you and I could probably talk for hours, as we have in the past, um, about about the subject. But for those of you who may, maybe even perhaps you're new to the gluten-free diet, or even if you're an old hand of the gluten-free diet, you may not feel comfortable going out necessarily. And, and I mean, I know I have that experience myself, and I've been, you know, eating gluten-free, and I've been an expert on gluten-free living and cooking for, for years. And it, it does sort of give you pause when you're putting your health or your family member's health in the hands of someone else when, you know, it's in your own kitchen, you can control that. But when you go out, you know, it's, it's another thing altogether. So bring us up to speed, Betsy. Tell us what are some of the latest things that are going on that you see in the industry that restaurants, you know, are really starting to take it more seriously. I mean, I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, there's tons of restaurants now have gluten-free menus, but so what? I mean, as a gluten-free consumer, that doesn't necessarily make me feel good just because you say it's gluten-free. How do I know it's gluten-free? So t- tell us what's going on. So, so Jules, through the last few years especially, we've seen gluten-free in restaurants go from a, an idea or one person asking to really uh, one in every ten people is asking for a gluten-free menu in a restaurant setting, whether it be for a medical reason or a choice diet, they're asking to have something on their plate that doesn't contain gluten. And restaurateurs in the beginning, honestly, I believe, were trying to hope it would go away, that it was a fad or, you know, a 
special diet that people would walk away from and not keep asking. And um, the NRA, as well as uh, Nation's Restaurant News publication, continually, year after year, especially the last couple of years, show gluten-free dining as one of the major trends. It was number five at the National Restaurant Association level in 2013, expecting it to stay at number five in 2014. So restaurateurs are having to call on this kind of resource, whether it be the chef in the back or an outside resource, to satisfy these needs. And, you know, as you started, um, restaurants just slapping gluten-friendly on a menu or, um, you know, those good for those on a gluten-free diet, 99% of those, um, it's no longer cutting it. Um, people are coming in and saying, you know what, I want a gluten-free food or don't play with me, don't sort of halfway anything. Um, there was a large um, bagel company that did a 99% gluten-free bagel, and I used to open a talk I gave on gluten-free saying if you're 99% not pregnant, you're still buying Pampers. And um, mm-hmm. and that is the bottom line. So restaurants yeah. are having to come on board. Yeah, and I sure. think, you know, there's this constant um, tension between, you know, restaurateurs and, and even, you know, the people on the floor, you know, the, the people who seat you, the people who serve you, the people in the kitchen who – you know, they read or they hear that gluten-free is a fad diet and people don't really need it. And you, everybody tells the story of the, you know, the, the patron who comes in and says, you know, I have to eat gluten-free, you know, give me gluten-free pasta. And then they order, you know, dessert. They order, you know, angel food cake or whatever. And, and you know, oh, I'm just trying to cut back on my gluten. Everyone tells that story. And, you know, I'm sure that it does happen. But for those of us who truly need to be on a gluten-free diet, is there are there keywords? Is there something that we can say to these folks in restaurants that they're like, you know, wink, wink? No, I really, really need a gluten free diet. I mean, how do you communicate that with them? <laughs> so you want the secret handshake? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Can you can you describe the secret handshake so they all know that they're really supposed to perk up their ears and, and treat treat our uh, di- our meals differently and safely? I wish so bad there was because it would make it simpler. So I'll I'll tell you a quick story. First off, there is no secret handshake. However, the restaurant industry and the food service industry is absolutely coming around to realizing it's not a fad. It's not going anywhere. It's time to step up. Stop rolling your eyes. Stop being mean about it. Stop going there just being fussy and take care of the diner. One of the – we started as a nutrition company and then rolled into identifying allergens and then realized we better teach people how to – um, handle it front of house, back of house. And one of our lines is we're in the hospitality industry. We need to show that even with special dietary needs and especially with diet, special dietary needs. Um, one of our, we have a couple cool taglines that drive the message home to chefs where we say keep the hospital out of hospitality. Um, I and love just it. really letting them know, you know, you're taking people's lives in your hands. And as much as you think it might be fussy, there's EpiPen bills coming down the pike that are going to make it one day mandatory for restaurants to have generic EpiPens for food allergies. It's coming. Um, the legislation's been introduced already in Virginia. Um, and it hasn't passed yet, but it's a coming. Um, so yeah. food why, allergies. Why wouldn't and you gluten. pass it? Yeah, who's, who's going to oppose that? Right. <laughs> you have an AED, right? So, right. Um, hello, you know, this is just another wonderful tool a restaurateur can have to help the diners once the law passes and it's legit and they're allowed to. So um, what I'm seeing is 
sort of uh, the, the trend being the gluten-free diner is still here, is here to stay, and restaurateurs are getting more and more on board. Um, in our train, which is Menu Trinfo's training program that's national and fair endorsed, and we can get into all that in a second, but our training program, we talk about chef, executive chef, manager, you set the tone. And any consumers out there that are listening to this, you all have the huge power. You have the power of the purse. And the power of the purse says you walk in and see a gluten-free menu or see a gluten-friendly menu, encourage that owner to actually get it certified and then leave and go someplace that can take care of you. Go to a place that has a certified gluten-free menu. Well, let's talk about that because I think there's a lot of of confusion about that. I think a lot of consumers – um, think that if there's a gluten-free menu, that means it is in some way certified or endorsed or reviewed or something. And how else can they put gluten-free on their menu? And I think that happened with gluten-free food labeling too. Consumers were under the m- misunderstanding that if a consumer, previous to the FDA's gluten-free food labeling regulations, which are going to become final this year, but prior to that, you know, if a, a package said gluten-free on it, well, that must mean it is gluten-free. You know, it's almost like everything you read on the Internet is right, you know. Um, and I think <laughs> a lot of consumers think if a menu says it's gluten-free, that means it's gluten-free, and, and the sad reality is it's not. Um, so how is a consumer supposed to know the difference between a certified menu or one that has um, backed up with some training so that these restaurateurs, the line chefs, everyone knows how to keep the food safe? Well, it's, it's a great question, and there's about seven parts to it. First off, the FDA did <laughs> come out in their regs. I know, it's just a tiny little question, right? Um, the FDA did come out in their regs, and they strongly suggest that um, restaurateurs – Um, that's important for restaurants to understand. If they're going to use the term gluten-free or any of the other cutesy terms that are close to it, they've got to be compliant with the new FDA standards, which are 20 ppm or less, and that's a different debate. Um, So what they're saying is, and I've actually got it pulled straight up on my screen because I didn't want to misrepresent it. I usually have it in a slide. Um, State and local governments are going to be responsible for the oversight of the restaurant tours that have those menus. Well, the health department inspector's got a million and ten things to do. This is going to be one more. But the health department inspector is the one who's going to be charged with, all right, you say it's gluten-free. Show me how you can assure it's gluten-free. And what's interesting is I'm personally, and Menutrimpo is doing a webinar with health departments all across the country um, and health inspectors all across the country. I'm teaching them what to look for from the back of the house. The consumer can go in and say, where's your seal? Did, did GIG, Menu Trinfo, or SCA certify this menu? There's only a couple of us out there doing it. And if you don't see one of our seals on there, nobody's checked it except the chef that is, might have the best intentions in the world but doesn't understand barley does mean gluten. And we have seen that over and over again. So, I mean, that's that's a short answer for a big question. Look for a seal, and the health departments are who's going to be checking it to try to help get your back on the backside. Right. Well, when do you think that we're going to start seeing that implemented on the state level? I know every state's different, but, you know, you're talking about the fact that you're going to be starting to do some training. Um, you know, are they they're really perking up their ears? They're really going to start start enforcing this on a state level? Well, they're going to have to. It's, it's become 
it's becoming regulation. It's got to come down from um, the health departments. Uh, the health department turns to an organization, a trade association in D.C., to give them direction and information and teach them what to look for. We're going through it on trans fats, menu labeling, and gluten-free, all three topics. They're all three hot topics. They're all three very timely topics. And they're all three new items that are going to hit the plates of health departments like this year, 2014. Um, so, you know, there, it's two sides of the same coin. We got the backup from the health departments and we got the consumers going in and seeing a menu and saying, okay, how do we know who's checked this menu? Or um, calling ahead and saying, is it a certified gluten-free menu? And if they can't say, yes, it's been certified by XYZ, then, you know, there is no secret handshake in that house. Not yet. Right. Right. Okay. And I think, you know, a key message here is that I don't think that most restaurateurs are, um, you know, deliberately ignoring training options or are trying to deceive the consumers. I think, I think it's purely an education piece where they think they're doing the right thing by offering gluten-free options, but don't necessarily know or understand the nuances to keeping the food gluten-free from the time that it's made to, you know, the time that it actually gets out to the table. So, you know, as a consumer, it's not about, you know, blowing up the, the um, airwaves about, you know, this restaurant doing the wrong thing necessarily. It's about educating the restaurant about their options too, like saying, did you know you could get certified? Did you know that you're your restaurant could receive training. Did you know that you could be doing it better? And um, doing that in a nice way because I think there are plenty of people who certainly, as you and I have, have seen, Betsy, so many people in, in the restaurant industry who, who are still unaware of the fact that this is out there, that these are options that are available to them. How, who would a consumer point to if they were going to try to help educate a restaurant, let's say you know their, their neighborhood, their favorite neighborhood restaurant, they want them to get certified. How would they give that restaurant information about getting certified? So there's there's a couple of ways a restaurant can get certified. Um, one of which is through us. We do certification, whether it be certify the menu, train the uh, chef uh, through Allertrain, which trains on gluten free and food allergens. Um, we even are now launching a whole kitchen audit program where we'll go in and see what their protocol is. Basically, from we're saying from pallet to pallet, you know, from mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. the back door pallet to your pallet. How is the food staying safe all the way to your taste buds? Uh, loading dock to tabletop. Um, so that's that's an idea, whether it be the training or the certification, and because the certification of the menu or the menu item, Jules, is just a piece of the equation like sure. you're describing. But it's a huge piece. We gotta make sure there's no sub-ingredients in there, and that's not an expensive process for restaurateurs, but it's only a piece of the puzzle. Um, there mm -hmm. are other training out there. There's other training out there. Um, I mentioned GIG or NFCA. They both do gluten-free training. They don't do allergens. They just do the gluten side. Um, there's mm -hmm. just straight allergen training. Um, there's a couple different online ways the chefs can do it. Um, we teach the 90-minute class covers everything. We figure if I get, I always figure if I get an executive chef for 90 minutes or an owner for 90 minutes, I'm going to train them everything I can. Um, yeah. Those minutes are precious. Yeah. Precious. Yeah. Well, and, and so many people are dealing with more than just gluten. I know in my family it's gluten and dairy. And I know in a lot of other families, you know, they have other issues as well. It might be, you know, peanuts and soy or, or something like that. So, and, and really the way that they handle keeping the food safe is the same, whether you're dealing with egg or gluten. 
Um, it doesn't matter. It's yep. it's a matter of understanding a what's you know in your sub items and what you're adding to the dish, and b preparation and c presentation. So um, those things work no matter whether you're talking about gluten or another food allergen. So I think I think it's commendable that you're trying to to grab that opportunity and educate the chefs on more than just gluten, but. Um, what would be the best website for them to go to if they were going to point um, a, a restaurant or a chef or something to the programs that you offer to restaurants? Well, there's there's two ways. One, they could shoot them straight to our website, which is you you can hit allertrain.com or menutrinfo.com, and you end up with our online training, live training. You can schedule a class, all of that. Or you could send them to the FAIR website. And FAIR is the, the group that was FAN and FAI have combined. And FAIR is for Food Allergy Research and Education. Um, and if you go to FAIR's website and you look at resources for restaurants, you would see the Serve Safe Allergen, which is the NRA's program, the Restaurant Association program, and then Allertrain, which is my baby. Um, mm-hmm. And then they also have options for um, colleges and universities and um, that, that we provide for them. We partnered up with FAIR as of January 2nd. In fact, the first thing I did this calendar year as a businesswoman was I signed that partnership to um, take Allertrain and Allertrain U and Allertrain K-12 out in the country with FAIR's endorsement. We made it through all the, the check the boxes and make sure everything in our class was um, up to snuff um, for mm-hmm. food allergies as well as gluten-free. We, we went through a pretty rigorous um, overhaul, and um, there's a lot of really good stuff happening this year um, to meet those dietary needs on campuses and in universities and in restaurants and in K-12. Um, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I was actually just reading an article today about a um, a college in Nebraska, and they were talking about how, you know, this, college had really embraced trying to meet the dietary restrictions of its co-eds, including things like vegan, um, and that there were, they're now seeing this trend where students are choosing their universities and their colleges based upon their dining um, options, you know, to meet their dietary restrictions, yep. which, you know, we saw that starting several yep. years ago, but as after the Leslie University case, you know, there's so many more universities that are really um, dialed into the fact that they need to take care of this issue and to not yep. just do do an adequate job, do a good job if they want to attract students and they want to stay out of trouble. <laughs> but um, for those who are, who are not familiar with the Leslie University um, case, why don't you just give a brief synopsis of that so that folks know, you know, why now all of a sudden the universities and um, groups like FAIR are interested in entering the universities with these training programs for chefs. Sure. The Leslie University case has absolutely uh, been paramount for making a big change in attitude, especially for universities um, and colleges across the country. They they had some. They had one particular student who started, um, in, I think, at the end of 2008, who had special dietary needs, and actually she had a um, uh, she needed to eat gluten free for medical reasons, and the university employed an outside agency to run their food service and they mandated um, the student buy a food plan. The problem was on the food plan, there wasn't proper food at that time for her to be able to eat. Um, And this is my understanding of the whole um, brouhaha around it. Um, The student requested to be out of the meal plan so she could provide for herself. Leslie University said no. 
um, the food service purveyor appeared to be sort of in the middle of it all. Um, and there were other students that had other dietary restrictions that were also impacted um, and were mandated to buy the food plan. Well, they started a class action lawsuit. It settled December of 2012, and what came from Department of Justice was uh, you couldn't make students buy food plans if you couldn't provide food for them that was safe. And they, each student was awarded $50,000. The university was fine. They were required training and adaption and all sorts of uh, new and interesting programs um, to be put in place, and that came down from the courts. The biggest finding was they determined special dietary needs, food allergies, celiac disease, came under um, disabilities, the ADA law. Yeah. And that it was a disability, so you had to meet it. Um, we are seeing, you know, one college, all they have to do is go get trained and spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars to uh, maybe even a couple thousand dollars to go through a full-blown audit and train a bunch of people. Um, and from that, they can attract, say, two students that will stay for four years. I mean, what's the return on the investment? And, and colleges yeah. are seeing hundreds of students now that have special dietary needs. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not the exception anymore. I mean, everybody knows somebody, either a friend or a family member, um, who does have some sort of dietary restriction. So it's, it's only reasonable to think that those, are, those folks are going to be present in every part of society. And when you do confine someone to a campus like that or require that they, that they purchase a, a dining plan, I remember before my celiac diagnosis, I was just a vegetarian, and um, I had to buy a meal plan. And it was such a waste of money because I would walk through and I would get a bagel, and, and I'd walk out, and that was my meal for the day. <laughs> you know, And I just yeah. wasted all of this money, but I had to purchase it. It's a requirement. And um, so it was um, it was the same then as it is now, apparently, with these required health or the required um, meal plans. And so, yeah, Leslie University case was an incredibly huge precedent, really opened the eyes of the universities and colleges around the country. But also, as you know, you've also noted with your K through 12 program, other schools are taking note as well. You know, and the, what's the best way to prevent lawsuits and liability? You know, to get educated and to do, you know, to embrace the best practices of the industry. And I think we're seeing mm -hmm. this starting to trickle down into just regular restaurants as well. You know, if you really want yep. to embrace a gluten-free menu, if you really want to attract gluten-free consumers who, by the way, eat with people who aren't gluten-free, it's not, you know, people say, oh, it's only 1% or only 6%. <laughs> yeah, but they have friends, you know. Yeah. We, we yeah. eat out with others too. So, you know, it, it ends up being, you know, a large segment of society who's looking to, to eat at a restaurant that they or a family or a friend um, can, can eat at safely. And it's just, it's the way of the future. And I'm so glad to hear that there are more and more programs like yours out there to educate because all that's going to mean is that more and more of us are going to be able to eat out safely, are going to be able to trust that, you know, we're putting our, um, you know, our health in the hands of others safely. Um, just mm -hmm. briefly, can you mm -hmm. speak to anything in the hospital environment? I get these questions all the time, people who talk about a captive audience. You know, someone's in the hospital for an extended period of time or their family member is and they have to eat at the hospital. And there's just a shocking lack of, you know, food options for people who have celiac disease or living gluten-free or, or even other food allergies. Have you heard much in the hospital environment? 
You know, I just came into that not terribly long ago. So I was at Virginia Tech at a workshop for colleges and universities, and it was sponsored by one of the big broadline distributors, food broadline distributors, and they have a large number of medical facilities, senior living facilities, um, you know, uh, pre-early childhood as well. Um, So they spanned all different, like, captive audience facilities. I mean, I hate to use the term. I'm sure there's something more politically correct. But you're absolutely (laughs) right. I know what you mean. Yeah, if you if you know you're having heart problems, they know how to give you a low sodium diet if you're up on the third floor. But if you're walking through the cafeteria and need to eat gluten free, they might kind of throw their hands up and say, "Well, there's a salad bar over there," um, and that's what you get to eat every day for you know a week and a half while you're in there with a loved one. So we are um, we're trying to work with that broadline distributor to flip Allertrain into a class that would work in that environment. We have trained a number, a large number of um, assisted living facilities. I mean, that's been the biggest one is a couple medical campuses type places, but more so the assisted living facilities and mm-hmm. retirement communities that are seeing people um, come yeah, in and they have provide you know, all of the meals for the folks in those um, living arrangements. But you know, even even people in the hospital, um, not just the family members, but the the, the people who are actually the patients. Um, you know, I've been hearing recently, you know, much to my chagrin, that it really has not gotten better. With both of my right. um, hospitalizations for C-sections, the first not planned and the second planned, um, you know, when I gave them heads up, I'm coming, these are my dietary restrictions, you know, well in advance, I knew the date and the time, and they were unable to serve me any food. You know, one time I got a plain baked potato with a roll on the next mm-hmm. on the plate next to it, and, and, and I'm looking at them and saying, Really? Like this is the gluten-free option because there's a role here, <laughs> and you expect me to, you know, recover from a C-section and breastfeed and all that with a baked potato? <laughs> like that's it, you know? Right. And and they had no idea. And the the dietitians at the hospital, you know, threw up their hands. They we don't know what to to serve to you, and and it's baffling because you think that's where the dietitians are, that's where the nutritionists are, that's where the doctors are, that's where you should be in good hands. But it's sadly not the case. So I really do hope that. Um, more of these hospital systems are taking note and are starting to investigate, um, you know, the training programs like what you offer because talk about a captive audience. I mean, you're stuck there getting mm-hmm. all of your sustenance for as long as you're, you know, there in that hospital environment. Same with assisted living and um, retirement facilities and, and nursing homes. It's... Um, you know, again, like I said, it's every section of society is starting to see this. And so all of the different services and service industries that come in contact with any person is going to start to see this as a reality. And it's not going away. It's not the Adkins diet. It's not, you know, people who are just going to um, decide one day that they, they're bored with gluten-free. You know, I mean, there are obviously some people dabbling in it, but we're talking about this large section of society who, you know, is finding that they have food allergies or they have a medically necessitated reason for being gluten-free, and that's not going away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, 100%, 100%. Well, I really, um, I appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule. Congratulations on partnering with FAIR and on getting Allertrain into so many different settings. I'm excited to hear about all the different places that are going to be getting on board and getting trained and certified and having the audits done because that's just going to open up more opportunities for all of us 
um, gluten-free consumers who do like to eat out once in a while or, you know, travel, God forbid, you know, we're not at home because right. we're traveling and there, there need to be options. So um, are, do right. you list, and I forgot to ask this earlier, but do you list on your website the restaurants or universities or other groups that you work with who have been trained or certified through your programs that a consumer could go and, and see really easily where to find these, these restaurants? Well, I'm sorry to say for the consumer, no, we don't. Um, we have had to make a choice as to where we could put the resources and listing those restaurants and trying to maintain that and maintain who's current on their certification is a really huge job. We rely on um, sending our information to people like Find Me Gluten-Free and mm-hmm. Stuffed Pepper and um, Allergy Eats. Um, they're really, really so those, an awesome partner. Those us. will list out the certified um, restaurants, right? Absolutely. And there's there's some more stuff coming down the pike in a bigger environment that I could talk about in about 30 days, which will answer this completely. <laughs> we'll have so, to have you back yeah, on. It's coming. <laughs> Great. Know, well, see, and this is good. So I like happening. to hear that. Yeah, and, and the fact that, that it's such an overwhelming task for you to, to list all of the restaurants that have been certified and um, have gone through the training is a good problem to have, let me just say that. But thank you again <laughs> for taking time. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, thank love you, what you do. Keep up the good work. And definitely we'll have to have you on again in 30 days or so when you can talk about um, other big news that's coming up. Um, love to, to hear about it. So thank you again, and thanks for your dedication to our cause. Okay, Jill, thank you very, very much. All right, take care now. You too. Bye-bye.